North American hockey disaster. JB. Is it? Canada <laughs> out of the Olympics. Dropping a 2-0 decision to Sweden. Team USA men's out. Wow. Slovakia, that powerhouse, doing a number on them. The Marty Marinchin running show back there? Yep. <laughs> Leave it to the women, though, to clean up Thank goodness. a man's mess. As they go once again, head-to-head -head tonight, 11 p.m., for the gold medal game. They Thank will salvage that. everything with their guaranteed final Canada-USA. This is the most exciting game. <laughs> again. I can't wait for this. But you were saying that Canada dropped the 2 nothing. You dropped the uh, decision. Uh, I thought you were going to say they dropped the third. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. It was close. Oh, my God. I'm so, I know you guys are making fun of me for how disgusted I was about this, but I was extremely disgusted about this. I genuinely surprised how much you cared about it. I, it. I just can't bring myself to muster up any level of passion for a random smattering of a, an assortment of Canadians from around the globe who don't play in the NHL. Here's the thing. I can't. We do not agree. How can you not <laughs> dig up a team of hockey guys from around the world that are can compete no with. no sammy we've been blowing a lot of smoke over the years that we could send an a team a b team a c team out of canada and still win yeah oh okay so true so z team. That, that's been that that needs but we to, did send her z team that needs to end that needs to end yeah because that was horrific hockey by the Canadian team today. You thought it was real bad, eh? That's a show out there. I don't know what they had. Did they have three shots on goal in the third period, uh, 12 minutes in? It just couldn't muster Four? up anything, huh? Nothing. Zero. It was really, really tough to watch. The only... Blemish was Jack McBain turning the puck over uh, in the yeah. uh, four feet inside his own blue line. Drop pass. I feel bad for the kid. Uh, know the family. It was. It's one of those where, unfortunately, he's gonna just remember that the rest yeah. of his life in in the in an Olympic moment, and it's not on him. It certainly isn't something that you you. You should have. You should remember uh, off this loss because there's so much more out there, including I'm sorry, but Claude Julian behind the bench. Mm. Like, try something different. Get a couple of looks. The boys were looking for something. Yeah, he did try something different. He benched Kent Johnson in the third period. Had been their best player throughout the tournament. Had been one of their most dynamic guys. Had skill. Young guy, creative. It's like, oh, this game's too tight. You know, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. You better try to win 0-0 zero, zero here. So Far more far more than these questions of what happened in the hockey game or who's on the team, because quiz me, it won't go well, is like, should we care about this? That's my genuine question. Should we? Because, you know, we're joking about, yeah, we can't send our Z team and win, but we didn't send our Z team against Sweden's Z team. Like, the best Swedes are in the NHL, and the second best ones are not. So we're playing their B team. Like, I don't know. It's just such a weird tournament. I just... You, you, it's not, a bad, it's you, not a bad point. No, he's got a great point. And this is, this is your point in a nutshell. Is that we care a lot more when they embarrass us than if they would have won the gold medal. Had Canada won... Yes. Yeah. It wouldn't have been as, mm. as sensitive as losing the way they lost today. Mm -hmm. It would have been... Yeah, yeah, we won. We're we're Canada. Well, I, I guess like what are we, you're right. You're right, Kipper. Because I'm like trying to figure out like what did we learn? Like, are we mad at the people who put together this team because we lost? Who had like two months to grab the random players? I guess. And I know, I know, a hockey analyst is it's tough for me Every, to care, Kipper. Everybody, for the most part, well, at least in in Canada and U.S. case. There's a, everybody else was in the same boat. You couldn't get your NHLers over to compete. 
So everybody's in the same boat. Where's our pool outside of that to, to draw players for that we're, 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 we still should be a, dominated nation, a dominating nation in the game of hockey when our NHLers aren't invited like the rest of the countries. Should Connor Bedard have been there? Connor Bedard's 17 years old. Yeah, and 150 pounds. Slovakians have two 17-year-olds on their team. And yeah. now in the semis. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's worth a try. And, like, is it better option? One of them's than... going to be a top five pick this year. Yeah. Along and, with Bedard. And he's he's not... Or next year. He's not... Uh, no, this year, I think there's one that's eligible. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he's he's not 5'10", 160 pounds. He's a big guy. So you don't think Bedard should have gone? Do you think I, I he think, was... I a... think it would have been a gamble. Yeah. And you want to protect yourself... I don't know. What, what did you say? I'd rather find out. Yes, exactly. I'd rather find out that he can't play yeah. at that level than, yeah. you know, not know, but that's, not taking him. That's a super fan that doesn't care if he gets plastered against the wall and separates his shoulder <laughs> and goes next. Correct, right? Mundo. But I will, so, say, I, I will say, though, like. But he's not his agent and right. he's not his family that, that want to protect the next 20 years of his career. For sure. But it just, I think the. Selfish, Sammy. The the biggest thing that just kind of hit home, and I know it was the h- hanging over it, but like last night, you know, Stamkos is scoring, Sids get his gets his five hundredth, Connor McDavid scores, flying around against the Kings. Yeah, it's just it's just another lost Olympics. It just didn't it's just happen. such a it didn't there, happen. Like I know not Connor, he'll be there and whenever they play next. But you know, you think of Sid, you think of Stamkos. Such a golden generation of players at this moment for Canada. It just sucks so bad. That sucks. It's been totally lost for and, fans, for players. And the, the give the players credit. They did everything they could to go there and be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, what are we left to do but throw our hands up? If you ask me in a couple of years how this tournament went down, boy, I would have a tough time. Like, I, I just, I know, it didn't exist to me. The highlight of the whole tournament was five minutes into the tournament when Odell smoked that German guy and they scored <laughs> from the point. That was the, that was the highlight of the tournament like, for that's Canada. That's Canadian hockey, baby. I was so fired up. I was like, oh, my God, we're definitely winning gold. We got a great show coming up. Glenn Healy also will be on later on this hour, uh, executive t- uh, director, president of the NHL alumni uh, during the day at night, uh, moonlighting as uh, one of the analysts for CBC. He was on that game, so we'll get his thoughts on Canada's 2-0 loss to Sweden and what's the program look like from here on in. Do, have we had the same people involved, right? It's Bob Nicholson, Tom Rennie, right? The same people kind of at the yep. head. It's just tough to evaluate anyone, isn't it? No. No, that's your job. And your you job know. is to... Like, that's a good point. COVID didn't sneak up on these guys and this Olympic it it was out there for a year and a half and i'm sure that they had at least you, they should have had a plan a with the nhl and a plan b without them yeah it's not like this is you're 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 cramming last minute for an exam right. you had plenty of time to evaluate the the non nhlers and this is what they came up with yeah. And it wasn't pretty. It didn't work. Well, I mean, I, I watched some of the games. I was writing on Andre Casha, which is up on sportsnet.ca and how he gets trucked every game. Um, but, I, you know, I watched enough of it to just, I just didn't see any creativity or talent. And I know we have that. Like Ken Johnson's there, you mentioned. Hosang is there. Yes. Eric Stahl was on the team. Like, we had I, players you can I do think stuff. I think a lot of it had to do with the jerseys, too. They just all look the same you, wearing those weird jerseys. You can't wear, <laughs> we're a red and white nation. Yeah. We're red and white for crying out loud. We got Bob Stoffer as well later on in the show uh, talking about the Oilers. 3-0-0 under Jay Woodcroft. What a start. Defensive specialist now. For the Jaybird. Jesse Jay- Granger. The Jaybird. Is that his nickname? Yeah, no, that's what we're calling him on this show, oh. even if it's not true. Oh, yeah. He's all Jaybird. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm in. Jesse Granger. Golden Knights. Does a lot of coverage for them with the athletic. He's going to be uh, along later on. We'll talk Jack Eichel as he returns tonight against Colorado in Vegas. Yeah. And Rick Talkett will join us in a few minutes. But uh, 
Uh, some news and notes around the Toronto Maple Leafs. Your Toronto Maple Leafs, Sammy, including a waiver wire pickup. Adam Brooks, a familiar name and face to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I, you know, so I'm of two minds on this. One is that you need players. The Toronto Maple Leafs do not have exceptional depth, right? Like if there's an injury at center, you call up Brett Sini. Is that next? Like, you know, you're, you're going to have injuries along the way and you need players. Adam Brooks is a good player. He's smart, really smart, really knows where to be to put the puck in the net. So that's great. They got a player. I'd rather have him in the lineup than anyone getting called up from the Marlies right now. The next thing is that, like, it's just more of the same for me, which is fine, right? You know, like, it's Lilligren, it's Sandine, it's nice players at the bottom of your roster, but right. small, slow in this case. It's not a game changer. It's no. just one of those guys, a, a, a seat filler at the Olympics. <laughs> a star gets up, goes to the bathroom. They don't want the empty seat. Somebody comes in, looks, yeah. makes the room look great. I was, yeah, at a, <laughs> <laughs> at a spot where they may be weak, depth center, he can go in and not be a bad player. So good. You know what gets great. me now with this uh, salary cap in this particular CBA is watching players like this. This is the player in me, right, where I, I go, what is that guy's life like when you are that one expendable player on every team every year? Yeah. Go on waivers. Like, you're better off sucking so much that you clear waivers sometimes than being that guy that gets claimed and then go and then play three games and then get sent down and then get called back up and then mm -hmm. be put on waivers again. How many organizations has this guy had in the last – I don't know, year, year and a half? So far this year, he played four games. So he started with the Leafs, claimed, played four games for the Canadians, claimed, seven games for the Golden Knights, uh, waived, played five games for the Henderson Silver Knights. <laughs> uh, you know, and now back to Toronto again. again. Like it never happens. So. Oh, my God. Tough go. Samsonite Brooks. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I think there could be some sort of appeal to that, no? You know, getting claimed, going to play in is a different Mary, place. Uh, if, is he married with kids? Yeah. Maybe. If not, <laughs> then if not, then maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing. Get to play in some different parts of the world. And wow. I'm on board if he's if he is married, uh, give his wife full credit. So then let me ask no you kidding. let me ask you this. You know, does this the immediate thought from a Leaf fan who loves transactions and is is interested in a trade deadline coming up? The immediate thought that I had, and I saw some others on Twitter talking, but does this have any impact on any of the guys that they're, you know, for example, a Nick Ritchie who's been in some trade rumors or people talking about it, or, you know, a guy, somebody else that they're looking to trade. Does this have any impact on that, do you think? I, I would think so. Absolutely. It's, it's all, it's all twined together, you know, mm -hmm. intertwined. You have to be thinking about replacement money, he comes in. Is he on the IR right now? He which is means on his IR. his money does not go against the cap right now. Which every team that is under the uh, the salary cap pressure is trying to bank dollars right. to shrink that number. So when you do make a significant move move at the trade deadline, you you can get it in. So I. He also do, makes do, less than league minimum because he signed it pre what this minimum is, 725. Do we, do we expect him to be on there long term? I, I know nothing about his injury. I don't injury. think so. I don't either. I don't think, he's, I don't think it's a long-term injury. Um, but, yeah, no, I, that's interesting, Sammy. I think the way that I, it would help the Leafs, or sorry, affect things, is just you have another body that you can count on putting in the lineup. I think it's real easy to shift guys from center to wing. Like if Richie's not around and you can say, okay, we've got an injury, we're going to call up uh, Brooks, he's going to play center, and Spezza can play in the wing. So, yeah, it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable about being able to move off of a guy um, like Nick Richie if that is, in fact, going to happen. Which, by the way, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on on the likelihood of that, Kipper, given the idea that if they buy him out, it only costs them like three hundred grand against the cap next year? Are they better off to just buy this guy out in the offseason? Oh, uh, yeah, all bets are off in the offseason. You, you, it, it's yeah. real. All that really matters now is the season. After that, you don't know where you're going with your salary cap. Yeah. Especially with, with Jack Campbell's deal might still be out there. Right. So if if things continue and, and nothing changes significantly, do you 
expect Nick Ritchie to be in a, a Leaf training camp come next September? Not a chance. Not you a know chance. what's hilarious? And just this is just funny looking back on our show. How much time early in Real Kipper and Born days we spent talking about Nick Ritchie? So much. Like, it was every day. We were bringing up how but he was, was underperforming. Justified. Yeah. And but, when, when they're still making... And now it's just not a thing. Now it's like he's not even around. Like, well, they put him in the Marlies, and he's not even, you know, he's when just it, not when even it a came, contributor. When it came to the the, uh, the moves that Kyle Dubas made, this was the biggest one. I know. Out of the, uh, out of the yeah. bargain basement deals, Kasha, Bunting, Kampf, and Richie. Richie was going to be the most significant game changer for the Leafs. Rich was great. Um, <laughs> Rich, was... they tried for him. Man. Oh, they, they did. Were, boys I... were feeding him every pass they could get. Yeah, the meat and they helped him in the media. You know what, though, Kipper, you made a good point about this. That like, if they start Nick Ritchie and he's alongside Cash and Camp or something like that, maybe things go better for him. He plays 13, 14 minutes a night on the third line, and if he plays well, they give him the chance. The fact that they came into training camp and said. Matthews and Marner and Richie's going to fit in there. And didn't Richie score two in a preseason game? You know, like it just, it set the bar unreasonably high expectations too high. You know what is kind of kills me. They really kind of anyone the whole time. It, it, it's kind of strange in all of this is that, that, oh, okay. We'll, uh, we'll pick up on this conversation after because we don't want our first guest to sit too long. Uh, Rick Tockett, of course, TNT hockey analyst every Wednesday night, three time Stanley cup champion. Great friend of the show. Talk. How are you, pal? Nice, uh, nice of you to join us again. Yeah, this is where my pregame nap. You guys, you know, you're cutting into my pregame okay. nap. <laughs> All right. Then, uh, oh, that means you've already had the rubber chicken? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Were you an ice cream guy and, and chocolate sauce or just strictly uh, pasta and chicken? You know what? I would uh, I would do the pasta, chicken, some broccoli, a salad. Uh, very rarely the, the ice cream and uh, chocolate sauce. Very rarely. Oh, my God. I was a big chocolate sauce You guy. know, Stewie used to not be allowed to do it, so he would have a rookie bring it up to his room after so the coaches wouldn't see him picking up ice cream. Anthony Stewart? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, yeah, listen, Nick. You Keenan banned that. You, you know, you play with Keenan. Yeah. You didn't have it with, uh, when you we were with the Rangers, so... Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, Another reason to hate him. <laughs> my, my my favorite is during the Canada Cup. We, you know, we spent the whole month of August in '87. Uh, he was the coach, um, and all, I remember um, we had the pregame meal, and I remember Gretzky and Messi walk in. There's no steak. There's no ice cream. <laughs> there's none of the the good stuff, right? And I remember Messi and Gretzko, hey, where's the steaks and where is the chocolate, ice cream and stuff? And they said, well, the coach said no. And I, me and Brian Propp were in the corner laughing. And uh, Mark Messi had a meeting with Keenan. Uh, five minutes later, there was brand new sirloin steaks. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know what Mess said, but I know what he said. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him on, or I'm out the door. That's what he told him. That's right. <laughs> well, he basically, I'm, 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 like, we just want a cup, and I'm not going to waste. I mean, and I have a month of training camp in Montreal. If I can't have steak or ice cream, you know, see you later. So, I, obviously, uh, Gretzen best won that battle. So, talk. Uh, I know you're getting ready for uh, a pretty important game tonight. Uh, you guys yeah. will be f- uh, focused on on Jack Eichel. Before we get into that, I want to ask uh, south of the border. Uh, because you've done such a great job on TNT and uh, the NHL, is, has anyone noticed that Team USA is out of the Olympics in men's hockey? Yeah, Keith Kachuk had texted me, uh, or I texted him because he always used to bust my balls all the time, right? Canada, U.S. So, uh, and then and then he just texted me re- recently just back uh, because Canada lost, right? So, <laughs> yeah, we uh, noticed too. So he came right back at me. Uh, uh, not really. I mean, I, you know, just the inner the inner circle of uh, you know the guys that I know, U.S. hockey uh, players have text, but uh, there's not a lot uh, of publicity on the Olympic team, U.S. Olympic team. No, with, for the hockey with with no Canada and the U.S., it's just a must that uh, if if the NHL players aren't there, uh, it it gets lost in the shuffle now. It does. I mean, I hate to say it, and for the athletes that are there, uh, good good for them. It's awesome for them. Yeah, it does. It's obviously, you know, with the with the NHL players there, it would have been, you know, it would have been the most, I think, uh, really highly publicized, most watched game, especially if 
if you had U.S. or Canada, you know, even the other countries. I mean, Russia. I mean, there's some stars everywhere. So, yeah, it's lost a little uh, the fanfare for sure. Talk watching that game and seeing no fans in the stands. It just seemed like a bad environment, which seems like a natural segue for me to ask you about ASU and the arena situation in Arizona. You were coaching there for uh, years. What are your thoughts on what is going to come next for this Coyotes team playing in a rink that small? How would you feel about it if you were still there? Yeah, it's a tough one because, you know, you're always, you know, Arizona's always had noise around them for their franchise. You know, just when you think things are smooth, something else. So uh, they're trying to make a positive out of, you know, really, uh, you know, you can, you know, you can spin it any way you want. A small rank, the fans, you know, 35 or whatever they're saying, they say 5,000, maybe it's less, you know, they're going to be on top of a great venue. But at the end of the day, uh, you're still going to be losing a ton, a ton of money. You're still trying to go through a rebuild. Um, so for the fans, I mean, you go to watch games to win too and have a chance. So um, I don't know. It's a, it's, you know, I hear it, it's a great, it's going to be an unreal college rink. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know how excited NHL players are going to be to just to go there. Um, I think it's going to, I think eventually it just loses its luster too. I think, I don't know. You, do you guys agree? I mean, oh, yeah, listen. Great, I guess. I am I I am praying that the Arizona Coyotes go to a Stanley Cup final in the next two years. Oh my God! That would be just a, a TNT there, ESPN there. <laughs> that would be a great look, wouldn't it? I don't know where they're going to put all the cameras and all the people. But, uh, you know, empty building you know. again. Uh, all right, let's get into the Jack Eichel and and what. What do you yeah. really expect tonight out of Jack? Uh, you as a head coach, how would you handle a scenario where you got this superstar coming off that type of injury, that type of scrutiny over the years? And is it possible that this guy could play 15, 18 minutes tonight? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know his, his training, uh, what, what they've done with him. Um, you know, for me, he's walking into a situation where they, they've already got a, an established franchise the last five, six years have been, you know, one of the better franchises, you know, just the way that win loss games, they've, they've got a, you know, really good leadership group there. So the one thing they can go in there and, and kind of relax where it's, you know, I mean, obviously there's pressure on him. He's got to, he's going to have to produce, but I, I, I think in a small way, there's a little bit of less pressure because he has some, you know, he has some blankets around him, a security blanket around him. So uh, for tonight, um, I think Peter Moore, DeVore, and I've heard him say that, you know, we just want Jack to just be comfortable playing his game, relax, don't worry about the outside noise, and he doesn't have to try to win the game in the first two minutes. I, I, and as a coach, I don't really care, you know, whether, you know, obviously I'd like him to score three goals and have a big night, but, you know, it's not going to define him, this game. I mean, it's just a process to the – to, you know, get him healthy and in and, and, and game shape uh, towards the, the goal, and that's to get him ready for the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, you had back surgery in your own career, did you not? What, what was it like coming back from that? Yeah, I mean, I had, uh, I had back surgery in uh, 95. You know, I'll be honest with you, you, you know, you, you're never going to be 100%. I don't know, to the, like, Jack's total, you know, surgery and how it went down. But you know, you, you, you know, I lost. You know, I didn't have a ton of speed that it was. But you, you lose a little bit of a, a little bit. You lose a flexibility and all that stuff in your back, which you know affects your skating. You know, I got through it and I played different ways and stuff to to, to keep playing in the NHL. But you know, back surgery is kind of tough, and it's. Uh, but I think today's advancement probably better than when I got it. So uh, maybe it, it, you know it won't be as a, you know a, a hindrance to him as he goes on. It's just not the advancement in in, in that type of surgery but also the advancement talk of the players wanting second and third opinions on their own um can you recall when that that change that pivot happened was it was it Lindros with his concussions in Philadelphia was it maybe Pat LaFontaine with his concussions but where did you see that because that was non-existent we just went by what the doctor, the team doctors told us, and that was it back then. Yeah, great, great question, Nick. Because I'll tell you, I don't know exactly the time frame uh, when that when players started to kind of control their own destiny a little bit. Like, I know a couple of guys. I remember, you know, with knees and shoulders. You know, they started going, "Hey, man, I want this guy in Colorado." I figured the Stedman guy to do it, who was world renowned, and her doctor Watkins was a huge back guy in L.A. 
Um, so, um, and a lot of the franchises, you know, they welcome and the, the team doctors. I've been on a couple of where the team doctors welcome the second opinion and the third opinion and were involved and they, they, and they kind of like collaborate and, and the guy would go outside and get something done. So there is, you know, happy, the happy medium too, where you find it, obviously the Buffalo and Eichel thing didn't turn out that great. Um, but the time frame, I don't know, like maybe, uh, Sometime early 2000s or something, I think uh, teams are more receptive to the second and third opinions. So what were your first thoughts when you heard um, Mark Stone is going on IR, the second Eichel was available? Did, did you raise some eyebrows or what? Well, I think I can see his eyes rolling back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, it, it, whatever it takes to win, right? Uh, whatever it takes. Love I mean, it. Uh, you know, they, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. I don't care what anybody says, you know, this and that and uh, I forget who was complaining about it. It was a Carolina or something. I, it is what it is. You know, if, if you don't like, then change the rules. Um, and that's just the way it is. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the, you could, Vegas did what they had to do to make sure uh, Jack played the night, and they used that that the system to to their advantage. For and, now, and everything okay. I hear, there there are issues for sure when uh, with Mark Stone. Uh, he's been out of, in the lineup, out of the lineup. There's no question something isn't right with him. But at the same time, under different circumstances, it would have been manageable. You don't put him on the uh, long-term IR. Uh, but the one thing that you got to remember is for this to work, you've got to you, you have a willing participant to want to go down this path. And right now, Stone, albeit I heard they had to do a little bit of convincing for him to, to go down this path, but... It's really geared up for all of this for a Stanley Cup run. No different than, you know, Tampa Bay with uh, Kucherov. 100 percent. You know, like think about it. Like Stone's got a ton of money in the bank, uh, but he wants a cup, right? So, you know, he's probably I don't know his injury to be honest with you, Nick. I don't know, but you know, if he's playing at an eighty-five, nine percent, and seems like if he continues to play, he'll probably play at that the rest of the year. So. Do you shut him down completely? Can you grab another five, ten percent if you shut him down? Plus, you're bringing a, you know a superstar in your lineup. It's a win-win. I understand, even though like Stone's probably a competitor saying, no, no, I can still, you know, a ninety percent Stone is still better than a lot of players. So um, I understand, you know, all parties to be it. But uh, you know, let, let's face it: when you got a lot of money in the bank, uh, you know, the next thing is you want the Stanley Cup. So I can see him being a team guy saying, hey, man. Yeah, let's let's get on a rehab program. If it takes me a month to get better, let's do it. Um, so I can understand it from all you know different angles. Talk yesterday, we had a conversation on here about uh, Mitch Marner. We actually had a rather spirited debate about whether he's underappreciated by the Toronto market because he, you know, he went through a, I guess, a, a contract dispute that kind of left some of the public soured on him a little bit. How fair do you think is it for the fans to consider contract in the way that they view players and treat players? Uh, you know, in a salary cap era, I guess it's different. Yeah, when you go through those public, you know, uh, contract disputes and, you know, you want to be paid what you want to be paid. And, um, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of opinions on it. Um, but saying that, you're going to leave yourself open. You know, game sevens, you know, uh, or game sixes with the closeouts, uh, you got to produce, and right now I think that's really why the fan base is sour. They're saying, "Hey, these t- these important pressure situation games, we need this guy to score." So um, you leave yourself open when you're, you know, you're. I'm not saying that Mitch Marr doesn't deserve, deserve the money. I think he's a hell of a player, but he's going to be judged on these pressure games, these games where it's, you know, game seven, and he's got to come out, you know, with one and one, and they win a the game two to one. Like that's what the Toronto fan base wants, and that's uh, really uh, what it comes down to. You know, you look at Tampa, you know, Kucherov, those guys, those guys are pressure players. Sidney Crosby, uh, when we won the cup, pressure situations. You know, uh, that's what you, when you pay the guys big money, that's what the the, the fan base wants to see. And uh, whether it's right or wrong, that it's just the, it's the rules of hockey, the rules of negotiation. That's the way it is. We're talking to Rick Tockett, TNT hockey analyst and three-time Stanley Cup champion. Talk, you played without a salary cap. You coached with a st- salary cap. I, I know in in our era, when someone yeah. genuinely got paid, you were absolutely thrilled for them. But these guys now, their first thought isn't being thrilled for their teammate. Their first thought is, 
what's left for me. You coached, yeah. you coached under that. Did you see that and feel that, you know, in, in a salary cap era with the players? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great, that's a good, yeah. I, I, you can smell a little bit of that, um, you know, when, uh, you know, somebody's sitting out and wants their, you know, they want it all. Um, and then maybe there's a guy that, you know, he can't get his piece, whether it's a small sliver, who's a, who sometimes is an important guy, whether it's a really good leader that, you know, maybe is, you know, not the player he once was, but you want him on the team while well, you can't afford him. And then because, because of the other guy got his 11 million. Uh, I understand that. Uh, but you know, those, a lot of these $11 million guys are filling, you know, they are fans are coming to see them play. So there's a give and take. There's a two way street there. Um, Pitts was very lucky to grab Malkin and Crosby on long deals. You know, that they they make 8.7 million, somewhere in that range, where they, you know if they were making eleven, twelve million, which they should be, Pittsburgh probably wouldn't be in the position they are. So, um, but is there a res- I don't know if there's a resentment. I think it's just a little more individual. You know, guys are like, hey, yeah, I'm happy he got his, but what about me? So there's a little bit more what about me more than there was in the past for sure. I mean, how much did you even know what guys on your team were earning? My dad was a generation before you, um, but you know yeah. he, he talks about you know the the Islanders guys not knowing necessarily what their teammates would make in some cases. Do, talk. Do you remember the moment that uh, uh, through the PA we got our salaries disclosed and how much that we we stared at that? What page? year was that? What year? I want oh, it. man, was it late, I, late, late, late 80s, early 90s? Yeah. Next, yeah. So everyone got to see what everyone else earned for the first time? Yes. And did you have a bunch well, of moments well, like, oh, no, come No, 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 back of the bus, <laughs> 20 guys piled within like three rows staring at a, a newspaper article with all the salaries published. Was anyone just wildly what, out of What wild? I didn't understand, yeah, what I didn't understand, guys, is like, uh, I remember Al Eagleson, he and I'm not going to mention a couple of these guys, the players who, you know, were, were his, you know, in favor with him, were on his board or whatever you want, his committee. I mean, they, they were staunchly, let's not, we don't want to disclose salaries. And I, I always remember, like, as a player, like, what do you mean? Why wouldn't you want, I want to know what Cam Neely or Wendell Clark's making. Why, why would we keep it a secret? I'm, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to remember, I signed a contract with uh, Philadelphia, which back then was big, it was like a nine hundred. It was nine hundred. I think Cam Neely was negotiating with uh, with Boston. I actually called Cam. Hey Cam, I think he was at eight fifty. I said, "Listen, I'm going to sign it for nine hundred. Back then, that was big money, like a five year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he didn't even know that. I had to tell him. Uh, you know, you go back in there. You better get more than nine hundred because I was getting nine hundred. You know, he was coming off fifty goal season, so. Uh, you know, he didn't even know. So that's wow. what was amazing to me. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, so when you disclose it, it was better for the players. I couldn't understand some of those players didn't want to disclose it or they didn't want to tell guys. I, I, that made no sense to me. That's hilarious. All I remember is guys on the back, uh, in the back of the bus started screaming, that guy makes 30 grand more than me. He can barely stand up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah, you're, Nick, you're not far off the truth. Oh yeah, it was amazing, and uh, but but uh, obviously it really helped uh, the PA and, and it helped salaries, you know, growth of salaries for the guys. Talk one more before we let you go, uh, and and you you've been a big part of Stanley Cups in, in Pittsburgh with Sid Crosby. No surprise, our boy Sammy wanted him to uh, save the the 500th goal for uh, Leafs in Pittsburgh. Well, he he yeah. he would never do that. Not not a chance. Sid just takes care of business. Just your overall thoughts on on Sid and you know his his place in history. Yeah, just I mean, let's take away the ambassador and the, the you know what how you know like Mike Sullivan said you know like he re- represents the NHL. What, what's good about the NHL? He, he the one thing I, I say about Sid you know is obviously the maturity over the years and how he's just. You know, just the way he is demeanor is so incredible. Um, I was lucky to coach him for three years there in Pittsburgh. Um, be probably part of that. He, he, honestly, Nick, he could cheat the game and have 600 goals. Like, he could have changed a lot about his game, you know, um, not take as many, you know, a lot of these. And I'm not going to disrespect the, the big goal scorers, the guys that get five, 600 goals, but, you know, there's a little bit of cheating those guys. They don't probably play the D zone as much better, as good as Crosby and stuff like that. So if Sid really wanted to play it differently and get 600, he probably wouldn't have three cups. That's what I say. Like, so, you know, he takes pride in taking D zone face us or blocking shots. Like you saw the other night, you blocked a shot and somebody got an empty net. I forget what game it was. Um, so, um, but he wouldn't have it any other way. 
you know, would he rather have, you know, 50 or 100 more goals? Probably not, because I don't think he would think it would be more of a team game. Well said. Hey, talk. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the uh, Jack Eichel debut tonight on TNT. Yeah, we got a couple of good, and we got Florida and Carolina to start off. So we, we finally, we finally TNT got some good games to do. We got we can really <laughs> calling dogs does, the rest of the way. Does that mean Does that mean Gretz is working tonight? Gretz is not working tonight. Uh, Gretz, uh, it, 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 what's his name? Paul Bizanet is working tonight. He had three. He had the Gretzky thing. He was off for three weeks. Now Gretz is taking vacation. So, ah, great, you know, Gretz, Biz. You know. What's the difference, right? Hey, yeah, I know, really. They probably get. They probably right now. They probably get the same appearance fees we got. Hey, talk. You you won't have to do uh, that much longer. There'll be a few coaches fired. You know, in the next uh, six weeks. Get your resume dusted off, pal. I don't mind this chair, man. Once a week, I like this gig. <laughs> it's safe. <laughs> it's safe. You don't lose. Nobody's nobody's critiquing you on the losses. That's for sure. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Hundred percent. Rick Taka, thanks for joining us. Take care, guys. Yeah, thank you. Interesting um, that he would think Sid could easily have 600 goals. By I now. love that comment because it maybe because it's confirmation bias. It's everything I think too when I watch him play. See, and if I was to spin that a little bit to to Austin Matthews, I, I get it. He's young. He loves his cookies, loves them, and he's he's chasing history with the Leafs. He's chasing Rick Vive. I get all of that. But if he could take a little bit, just a slice off of that Sid Crosby and what Rick Tockett's talking about mm -hmm. and just round out a little bit more, I think it would go a long way. And that I think that could happen naturally, to be honest with you. Yeah. He's just he's young enough that it's still great with the the the, the goals and the shot attempts. But as 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 you get older, as you age, you get your the maturity, the the mileage. I think naturally it it should progress for Austin Matthews in that direction. Yeah, and I think it has already. Like but, I think he's yeah, better. You get your cake and you get your cake and eat it too with Matthews because he shoots it in the net and he plays really good defensively. Like yeah. he does have he doesn't have his. It's not a hundred percent defensive every night, but like he does have his elite moments defensively as yeah. well as offensively. Obviously, Crosby, so. Crosby, you know, evolved like a lot of these great players too. He his the evolution in his game has been pretty drastic to from like a guy who's an offensive high flyer to I would say the best grinder to ever play. Yes, <laughs> you know, like he can really muck it up and and do all the those best sort of things. Superstar grinder yeah. in the history of the game. Yeah, and, and that's an evolution in his game, and I think that comes with. Just prioritizing winning above all, and draw like, and the th big thing with him was about his the, the stuff that he got better at year after year, like the draws early in his career. backhands one but summer. The, yeah, the the draws early in his career, he wasn't very good at. Now he's obviously one of the best. The backhand, like he's just developed a new part of his game. Like he's obviously always had the god given talent, the ability, the passing ability is. I mean, he's one of my favorite passers of all time. His work on the backhand is just a thing of absolute beauty, and that's you know how a lot of people have said that why he's hard to play with sometimes is because of how fast he thinks the game and how much he plays off of his backhand because he just throws these passes and the guy's like... Boys, and he's got an edge. I'm, I'm not thinking like you, you know? Like, yeah. like buddy, he, I'm not saying I don't think like you. <laughs> he'll, he'll go nose to nose with you. He'll spear you. Oh, he'll, yeah, he'll, F, it, he'll, he'll F you you. Yeah. Just Great. ask just ask Ilya Kovalchuk about that. Remember that early in his career when him and Kovalchuk got into it and he got thrown in the box and Ilya Kovalchuk oh, skated I, by and pointed right at I him. I remember Dubinsky, yes, Chara. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's got been a at history. It with Ovi, Giroux. He's got a history there. And yeah. it's it's still rare to see a superstar get that involved sometimes. Yeah, that level of passion. And I do think that like once you've earned enough individual accolades, it's like, all right. You know, maybe Matthews is the all-time leading scorer for the Leafs after this year, and he's six seasons in scoring 30 goals. And, you know, he just you start to lose interest in showing that, hey, I can do this, because we know. You know, now and then it becomes shifts to these old guys trying to win cups, and you just hope it happens sooner or later for, for stars. How many fights do you think Sid's been in his career? Actually, quite a few. I'm going to uh, say uh, seven. Oh, for sure half a dozen. Eight. Wow. Yep, eight fights. That's a lot of fights. Yeah, uh, uh, you're, five, you're, you're saying five-minute majors. Yep. Yeah, not to mention all the tangle-up, double-minor roughing type of stuff that he gets involved in. That's he fought Giroux, Dubinsky, uh, Matt Niskanen, Zidlicki. 
Keith Ballard, uh, Brett McLean, and Andrew Ferentz. There you go. And uh, uh, Dubois, too, he fought. So that was a tougher guy that he fought. So Dubois a big boy. Now give me Tavares' list. Uh, <laughs> end of list. <laughs> um. We're going to go to break, and after that, we're going to get to Glenn Healy, who covered Team Canada's 2-0 loss today. We'll get his thoughts all after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Still plenty to... Coming up in the next hour, Bob Stafford is going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. 3-0-0 since Jay Woodcroft and the big change. They'll never lose again. Jesse Granger... We'll also stop by, talk about Jack Eichel versus Colorado tonight. But as promised, a little bit more on Canada's loss at the Olympics. Joining us now, Glenn Healy, Executive Director, President of the NHL Alumni Association, and then moonlighting as a CBC Olympic hockey analyst. And he was on the panel today. And all I could say is Heels. If you needed a little extra money, why didn't you come to me? Well, they never came to you to do the panel. That was the problem. They must have <laughs> lost your number. So, uh, you know what? It was it was a part of me that looked at it and thought, you know, that, that kind of gig, you've moved on past that. But there was a part of me that looked at each of these players and – you know, they all, as of December 21st, when the NHL players weren't going to go to the Olympics, said, you mean we got a chance? <laughs> yeah, you got better than a chance. You're going to get to go and be an Olympian, and I guarantee that's a sweater you're going to hang up, and I guarantee it's a medal you're going to get framed. Uh, and to, to uh, achieve a dream that they probably never thought they would have when the NHL players started going to the Olympics, because – Olympic pictures, when you look at them, it's Gretzky, it's Lemieux, it's Sackick, it's Iserman. And then all of these kids who never thought they would have a chance in December thought that they all of a sudden could, did. And for me, I, I wanted to be part of telling some of their stories. And so telling some of their stories uh, and for them to achieve a dream, to give them a chance for them to take advantage of it, I thought, well, why not? Uh, it's it's a couple of days of, of fun with a group that you and I worked with at CBC for many years. And so I took the plunge. And, uh, yeah, there's been days it's oh, been an icy pool. Listen. It's been an icy pool. We, it's so special to be there. You there, uh, the kids there, a lot of them are children of good friends of ours. And it would it was definitely shaping up to be something special. And yet uh, that's what's probably as frustrating as anything is watching today. And I I watched quite closely heels and there was a real sense of frustration either in style of play or the inability to get to the net. But give us your thoughts on what the heck happened today that eliminated Canada. Well, I think when you look at teams like Sweden, each team kind of had a flavor of what they wanted to build for an Olympic team. Because once the NHL players were coming, they had that uh uh-oh moment where they went, now what? And so a team like the Czechs, Czech Republic decided to build a team with NHL players. Because let's face it, the ice wasn't Olympic-sized ice. The ice is, is built for NHL players. It's regulation NHL ice. So they built an old team full of a bunch of ex-NHL players. Uh, And then you had other teams like the Americans. They decided, you know what, let's fill our house full of 19-year-olds and let's just go see what we get. And they had a whole bunch of college players, mostly all of them from Michigan, uh, because that's one of the best teams, and put together that team. Well, that was a failure. So was the Czech Republic. The Swedish team decided, we're not going to go down that road. We're going to get a bunch of guys that didn't play in the NHL, but understand that crest with the Trey Croner on the front is way more important than any name on the back. And when they look at that crest on the front and the Olympics, you know what they look at? They look at Kipper, our guys. They look at Sundin. They look at Forsberg. They, they look at Lidstrom. These are the guys that built this legend when they won their gold medal. 
And uh, and so they were playing more as a team, I think, more in, in control of a game plan that they wanted. It was a sleepy Joe game plan. They didn't care. They were waiting for one mistake. Canada, again, you put a team together. It was like a box of chocolates. There were guys that were drafted from teams that aren't even in the league anymore. That's a long time ago. There were guys that weren't drafted. There were guys playing in the KHL. There were guys playing in the German League. Uh, it was a whole host of different players. Uh, they started uh, with, with an NHL coach in Colleton that changed to another one and in uh, in uh, our, our boy from Boston, like it just it was a team they put together, and they thought this will work, regardless of it all. It was a tournament put together hastily, like a hastily packed suitcase, kind of like when you were on the road and you had your eight o'clock wake up call, and you woke up at eight thirty for a flight. <laughs> that the way you packed that suitcase, and so so it was put together, and and they never really gelled until they were playing Team China, which really was like kind of. Team Canada that just got passports somehow. I don't know how they got them, but they got them. It was like Team Canada B. And they ended up playing that extra game, I think, and just with travel. And uh, from what I understand, uh, the food, Cuba Cuba's like a five-star resort for food compared to what they have in Beijing. So food's been a bit of an issue. Uh, you know, Johnson was like food poisoning for the past two days. That's why he didn't play today. And so it was one of those elements where today wasn't going to happen. No energy, no power play, no shots on a goalie for against Sweden for nine minutes at a time, five minutes to start a game. And this kid was thrust into an elimination game. So I could go down the, the whole list of a bunch of reasons. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Team Sweden just played a more smothering, complete game. If I'm Team USA – that's the team that's getting on that jet and kicking themselves in the butt because they had that game one against Slovakia and they let that go. At least we could look at team Canada and say they didn't deserve it because they didn't, but well, Slovakia, they, they nipped USA in the butt last night. And I know Kipper, you weren't up for it because you go to bed at 10 o'clock. So there we go. <laughs> well, that, that... And, and Barney, you would have stayed up for it, but Kipper never let you speak. So don't worry about it. <laughs> well, listen, I, I, I'm left with this strange feeling after hearing you talk about the Canadian team. Cause I, there's a ton of reasons why it didn't go right. Justifiably. So, but I, you know, it hits Canada. We went to the Olympics and we lost at hockey and we lost pretty early and not in a real favorable light. Should we care? Should we, you know, the, the talk around here is, are, are there people to blame? Should, should someone be held accountable for this? Or is it just one of those years where everything just, you know, the stars didn't line up for us? Well, I would say that all of the federations don't worry about having a convention to figure this out uh, with regards to why your team isn't playing tomorrow. Uh, because at the end of the day, when we get to the next Olympics, and they will be in Italy, the NHL players will play. They will be in Italy, and they'll play. And right. the following Olympics are going to be in Vancouver, or they're going to be in Salt Lake City. They will play. And so when you're trying to put your team together, uh, and you're trying to decide which guys have, have played well for your country, either in the Spengler Cup, which is what Canada did through a lot of their picks, the Spengler Cup champions, because they were loyal to Hockey Canada's brand, uh, that's not going to be a decision you're going to have to make in the next Olympics. You're going to be deciding between who's McDavid going to play with on either side. I feel for like a Brad Marchand, because this would, I don't know if he's going to be around in four years to be an Olympian. He was now, he probably would have been on the team, unless he's still suspended, but I don't don't even know if that matters anymore at the Olympics. But uh, it'll it'll be an NHL roster, NHL team, and you're not going to put this thing together if you think about the NHL guys canceling December 21st. You're not putting this together in a month. Mm-hmm. And I, I just imagine the scramble, right? You were you were sure of Crosby. You were sure of McDavid. You were sure of the list of guys. And then it was that, uh-oh, COVID came back, reared its ugly head again. You know, a new variant, a new virus jumped out. And then when games started to get canceled, uh, and let's face it, a bunch of the Canadian players that played in this Olympics were working diligently behind the scenes to desperately find a way to get those gold Chinese passports, kind of the Willy Wonka gold ticket, because they could have played for China in this. 
And then when they found out that, oh, the NHL guys aren't going and I can actually play for Canada, ah, forget that Chinese passport. Forget that. I don't need that anymore. <laughs> and so, and quite frankly, Team China, you know, the names on the back, for anyone who has no idea, for the 14 of them are North American kids. Right. But the names on the back are, and this is what, and I'll give Chris Cutter credit, how he knew who, who these kids were is beyond me. Because, like, other than the fact that Jake Chelios were number seven, I had no idea who he was with the name on the back of his sweater. But it just was hastily put together. So I don't think we need for a summit. I just think we look at it and say uh, the best we could in trying times with COVID rearing its ugly head and playing in rinks with this zero atmosphere. Like, they right. don't – they there's no fans. Like, you're walking on the ice in Madison Square Garden, Kepper or Borney at the, at, in uh, Long Island, when you walk out on the ice, the low metal roof, the fans are erupting. That's energy. You can hear yourself breathe on that ice. They had some seat fillers, and they will be there for the next couple of games. Um, but they almost don't even know when to clap. There's almost like somebody tells them, it is time to clap now. And they clap, and then stop comes up. Okay, now we stop. Like it just, it would be so hard to play in that environment and they did the best they could. Uh, and the disappointment is, is no less than it would be if it was NHL players that were making their way home today. Heels, uh, earlier we had a conversation about uh 17 year old, uh, Slovakia's, uh, Slavkovsky, I think, uh, is, Really? Oh, I can't believe you got the name right. Oh, my God. Barney, <laughs> put him up for a Gemini. Oh, a Gemini. We'll see if he gets your name right at the end of the segment before we give him any yeah. awards. Okay, they canceled Geminis oh, like 12 God. years ago. They're called the Canadian Awards right now. <laughs> okay, well, we, anyways, yeah. Where where are you on the thought that uh, Connor Bedard there uh, got left off and that may have been a mistake when they're so desperate for a goal today? Well, I would have put him on the roster. Look, at this 17-year-old kid who's wearing a visor or the cage even, I've, I don't even know where to buy those cages, um, can come in and light it up. And every scout on the planet was telling me about this kid. Watch this kid. And I'm thinking, come on, he's 17. Like, really? Top five pick now. Okay. What were you doing at 17, Kip? You had just finished uh, giving your mom your, your, your kindergarten lunchbox and said, I don't need it now, Mom. I'm 17. I'm in grade one. <laughs> it's the only thing that can hold a souflaki. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, I, I'm, out of, I'm out of kindergarten. I don't need it. I'm 17 now. But, you know, again, it got an incredible release. You know, and the scouts all just, you know, you get, you get the scouting reports. He's uh, top, uh, top two in European players. I'm like, let's get the top five for all the players. They find me better players than this kid. And he scores goals. He's got uh, those kind of brash little, he's got like a panache to him. He, you know, uh, celebrates better than any. Now, he takes Phil, Phil Esposito type ship lengths. Like he stays out way, like he makes Alex Kovalev look like a short chip for this guy. Uh, he's got to learn to play the game. But, you know, there's a kid. You bring him to the tournament. And the U.S. team, same thing. You know, the, the best players on their team. We're 19-year-old we're kids. I, I think I made the comment yesterday. It's like, you know, you want to have your house full of 19-year-olds? Well, watch the game tonight because that's what U.S. has. Mm-hmm. You know, the 19-year-old goalie, 19-year-old Matty Beneers, who was the best player for U.S. last night. They just they filled their team with a bunch of young players. Brendan Brisson, who Pat Brisson, one of the top agents in all of the game, that's his son. I mean, gosh, when Pat came down to California years and years ago with Luke Robitaille and was giving clinics for players in Los Angeles. Did ever think, yeah, I'm going to be a big time agent, one of the biggest in the game. And and then my son's going to play in the Olympics and score a goal and beat Canada. He never ever would have imagined that, but you know, I don't think so much. They, they should have looked at their birth certificates and age as much as how do I create the best team? And that was team Canada's choice. And a lot of people made that choice. Uh, it wasn't made by one person, uh, but you look at it now in the rearview mirror and you say, maybe that's a spark we would have needed to get us that first goal and put Sweden on their heels because yeah. there wasn't enough scoring from that roster. And there is a reason guys have been in the KHL 
or in the German league or the Swedish elite league for 10 years, eight years, 12 years, and not played in the NHL. There's a reason. Right. Scouts, they haven't skipped over all of them. This is our blacklist. Don't ever go to these guys. Just sometimes that, that level of the NHL player is not there with, with some guys. Uh, but it's a short tournament. It's a sprint. And uh, playing the extra game against Team China, as much as Team China, you think it's Team China. Really, was it that hard? They looked like they had nothing in the tank. And so I'll leave you with, um, you know, last one for me is just any major takeaways from this Canadian team. Was there any player that stood out or, you know, it could be in a negative way. Is it like Eric Stahl's done or we need to see more of one guy, the coaching, any major takeaways from Team Canada after watching that handful of games? Owen Power. Okay. Look out. Buffalo, not screw this up. Okay. (laughs) Like this kid, uh, it, he reminds me his his hero is Chris Pronger, and I, I don't know if that he wants to be suspended eight times in any NHL season. So I would say no to that for for him to be like Prongs. Uh, but he reminds me of Victor Hedman, six foot five six, mobile, comes back to the bench. Kipper, it's like Brian Leach. Remember Leach? You would play thirty five minutes, come back to the bench. He wasn't even tired. Kipper would have a fifteen second shift. And be exhausted. Uh, I would I would play like a period and eat intravenous because I was. And Brian Leach would play 82 games, 40 minutes a game, and never be tired. Owen Power is going to be a star in the NHL. So he was the most impressive for me, maybe out of any of the players in the tournament. And after who's the guy again? Kipper. I just want to see if you can pronounce his name again. Slavkovsky. Oh, Swarovski. Oh, that's who it is. Yes. Suflaki. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But uh, he was he was impressive to me and has a bright future. But, boy, if he, if he doesn't sign and stays with Michigan for a couple more years, then he's a free agent. Could you imagine who would want to put their paws onto him? Hey, Hills, uh, I did feel bad for uh, – uh, Jack McBain on the turnover uh, on the game-winning goal. You, after the game, made it abundantly clear that there was way more issues than just that one play. I thought that was uh, well said. Yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, like here again, you know, it, 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 when we did our kind of prep for Team Canada uh, and we had some of the Team Canada players on, Chris Cuthbert asked a, a question that was quite funny in my mind. He said to the kids that were college-bound or kids that are in college, so, uh, and, you know, Barney, you may not think this is funny because you're way younger than us, but uh, are you going to bring, or maybe you will think it is, are you going to bring your textbooks to Beijing? Textbooks. Like, you actually think kids today have textbooks? I'm like, Chris, they don't have textbooks. they got these things called computers. And so all of these kids came over, and, and a couple of them said, we're actually not even going to bring computers uh, because of the, you know, the cybersecurity issues. So they gave up a lot, a lot of their schooling to go over it and do the best that they could. And I don't think anyone drew up a master plan where one mistake was going to kind of do you in. The Team Canada, they started the game. Sweden switched goalies, put a guy in who hadn't played. This is an elimination game. It took them five minutes to get a shot. They went nine minutes in the third, the third period in the 0-0 game. Without a shot, their power play didn't quite get it done. Uh, well, no, didn't quite is an understatement. Didn't get it done. Coaching, I could look at their coaching and think, like, what, were you looking for Bergeron and, and Marchant on your list? Like, would you start jumbling some of the lines? It's not going well. And so, uh, you know, there's a whole host of people we can point our fingers at. But, you know, at the end of the day, these kids gave up a ton of their time uh, they care way more about the name on the front than the back, and they gave us their best, uh, but unfortunately their best wasn't good enough. With your great coverage of the Olympics uh, the last uh, week and a half, Heels, uh, do you want to announce on the Real Kipper and Bourne show that you're signing with Hockey Night in Canada after the Olympics, or do you want to sit on that for a little while? Yeah, I think my goal is this. I've got three more days of a couple games to truly get fired and go out in a ball of flames. And so I'm thinking, you know, I don't know which game it'll be, but I'll pick one, pick one, and then, gosh, wouldn't that be just the next thing it'll be pulling me from the booth. No, uh, that's, I, I'm here just to see 
what these kids can do when they achieve their dreams. And uh, it would have been nice to have the NHL guys there. They're not there. Uh, an, an ex-NHL guy for many, many years, and hockey night guy was. Uh, I'm going to enjoy it. And um, Sunday, Kipper, you will find me nowhere near a microphone <laughs> or a booth. Okay, I'm just letting you know it ain't happening. Uh, but it, you know what? The the people at hockey night that uh, that have done the games for many, many years, they're over putting the Olympics together. Shirelli, Najak, Chris Irwin, I've worked with them for years and years, and they're putting their heart and soul into this with, uh, limited resources and l- literally a, a project to put the Olympics worldwide that is absolutely massive. And I think they've done a great job. The pictures are spectacular. And and I, I'll tell you the one that I like the most, because I know time is an issue, is, you know, the when they do the skiing and they do like three, four, five, six spins and you land on the big hill. The camera underneath. No. Which one? It's the nuclear reactor stacks with Beijing 2022 on it that are right behind the skiers as they're doing their flips. And I'm from Pickering, and we have eight reactors. I feel so much better now about my eight reactors because Beijing has them right on the damn hill. So (laughs) I'm okay now. I I lived with that for a long time. It's fully scarred. You know how I feel about that. that, uh, I know. It's the same joke. Fence on the three sides. That your 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 football yeah. went over the fence one too many times. Yeah. So, uh, but it makes me feel better about that. But then, you know what? The pictures are spectacular, and some of the storylines about the Olympians doing and achieving their goals. And uh, I'm proud of this country. That's for sure. I'm proud of our guys and the time commitments they make, and to do all this for no money other than their family sacrifice, and to go halfway around the world for this, my gosh, uh, full marks. And, um, you know, a little skiing story, because Kipper was a big skier back in the day. He would go skiing with my family. And his boys, this is a true story, they would ski a little bit. They'd get about halfway down the hill, and I'd stop. You guys are crazy tired? Kipper had gone back up the hill to get them French fries. So I didn't realize that as you get halfway down a bunny hill, a bunny hill, they we're not talking a double black. Hey, when they're hungry, they're hill. hungry. What can I tell so, you? So I see, uh, I see the uh, Bonhomme de Neige coming down the hill, and he's got two plates of French fries for his boys sitting by the trees. Dad, get me some fries and make it poutine. So, Out of the year. Oh, yeah, sure. With, yeah. Without a doubt. Heels, uh, a pleasure watching you, seeing you, and, and listening uh, to you once again on, on the television, even if it is temporary. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Great job. Continued success. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Thanks, Glenn Healy. God, he could talk a pit bull off a meat wagon too, eh? We got a few of those. Couple of those guys love it. You know, he he mentioned those guys giving up their schooling when they go to uh, Beijing. I, I can tell you, I played at the University of Alaska, and we would fly to the lower forty-eight states every other week for school. Uh, no one cares. No one cares at all. So, you know who's accommodating? Teachers of of athletes. Yes. <laughs> can I can I say quickly before we go? Just last yes. thought on Canada, Sweden. Got to give the Swedes some credit. They played. Just a incredibly frustratingly disciplined hockey game. They I just, thought Janssen was really good. They were just in the yeah, right spots they, constantly. They gave up nothing, zero, like not a sniff. And you know, you should you're to Canada you should be able to break that down. But a bunch of guys who don't play against that style that often, they were just. It looked like kind of remind me how Switzerland usually plays at that term. They're just yeah. trapping it through the neutral zone. You can't get anything going. I liked Soderstrom a lot too. Yeah, they. They, I, I'm making up names. Guys. They, I know, yeah. They, they could have played another game, and I'm not sure Canada would have scored. Yeah. It was just one of those days where they just weren't. They played great. They were just in the right spot at all times. Red Rover, Red Rover, we call Canada over, yes. and they're not getting through. Yeah. So I had to give them some credit, but boy, it would have been nice to see one dangle, you know, or like a, maybe a yeah. saucer pass instead of just skating really fast or trying to beat it off the boards and out. It's just. Somebody has to take a little bit of accountability. You know? Uh, they stunk. Well, I feel like heels, they scored heels, seven, heels pardoned everyone. They played three games not against China, and, and they scored seven goals in those three games. And five the, in the first The one thing, and, and Claude Julian has a ton of experience. We know that. He's been successful. But his style of coaching is 
defense first. And he has, on occasion, throughout his NHL career, been that one coach where he'll put out his fourth line late in the game when they're down a goal. Mm-hmm. And the ability to change on the fly, give 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 his lines a, a, a couple of different looks, he, he's never been known for that. But and you know I what just, being risk-averse gets you in the NHL? Hired again. Yes. Bingo. So... He'd some some GM was like, God, I love how he benched that skill player in the third period when it was a 0-0 yes, game. Absolutely. Let's get him back in the NHL. And if, if Canada gets that bounce off their ass and they go up one nothing, Julian's a genius for playing. This is Babcock close, in Latvia. Canada played Latvia to a two-one hockey game. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, but they only had eighty-nine shots. They did in have that a game. cabillion yeah. shots, yeah. but it you know wrong balance. They actually in that game quickly song. they had to like call out the trainer just to bring ice. For the goalie, like the go- good yeah, they had to just like put ice on his neck and just like lay him down on the ice. A minute. And then uh, <laughs> the next shot was a blast from Shea Weber that went in. So there you go. All right, let's throw it to break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.